0: I'm George Batista, and you're listening to Wellness Talk. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is the show that goes over the latest in health and healing, nutrition, and fitness, natural things you can do to hopefully live a long and healthy life. The advice on this show is for educational purposes only. It's not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice of any kind. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, or prevent an illness, so please always consult your physician. Okay, uh, as always you can go to georgebatista.com, check out the articles that I post there, ask me any questions you like, I uh, love hearing from you, and I'm actually, actually later on in the podcast I am going to answer a question, so let's uh, start with our articles this week, the first article we're going to start with is from naturalnews.com, now I'm a big advocate of the uh, Mediterranean style of eating. I think it's one of the best diets out there. I mean, there's so many diets. You, I mean, there's more diets than I could even name. But I think one of the healthiest is the Mediterranean diet because it's not as it's not as restrictive, but yet it's still on the healthy side of things. And there's a lot of research showing that it does a lot of good. Well, this article here is uh, by John Philip, and it's uh, about olive oil. Now olive oil is used heavily in the Mediterranean diet and it says that olive oil lowers mortality by a quarter and and heart disease by nearly one-half. So let's talk about olive oil a little bit. Now first of all this comes from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition and what they did was, this was from Spain actually, they, they studied people from Spain, they found that monosaturated fats found in olive oil work together with essential fatty acids such as omega-3s and DHAs and things like that, which are the important things that I suggest people take on a regular basis. Uh, and it, it, what it does is it enhances their incorporation into cell membranes. Now the scientists found an association between greater olive oil intake and a lower risk of dying on an average of 13.4 years of follow-up so that's good news on the olive oil front now I did a previous uh, article I think a week or two ago regarding olive oil and the absorption and uh, absorption of of fresh vegetables and salads and things like that and uh, actually olive oil was helping Uh, with the absorption of all the nutrients in the vegetables and in the salads. So this is just another thing that olive oil uh, is doing that is great. Now what they did was they the researchers here, they analyzed uh, you know, dietary questionnaires provided from uh, about 40,622 men and women from Spain. They were ages 29 to 69. And they recruited from the European perspective investigation into cancer and nutrition and this was it was very interesting now study pr- participants whose olive oil intake ranked in the top quarter had a 26% lower risk of dying of any cause and a 44% lower risk of dying from heart disease compared to those who did not consume olive oil so that's pretty interesting now also it says here that the, science, the scientists conducting the study determined that protective monosaturated fats, vitamin E, and phenolic compounds in olive oil provided a synergistic effect to shield against heart disease. So how... I mean, that's that's fantastic news because... I mean, olive oil has been studied for many, many years. It's been used forever, basically. And I always say it should be, you know, a staple in a, in a lot of people's cooking. And should be used definitely in salad dressing. You know, people pile up their salads with all these, um, you know, dressings that are filled with all, so much stuff, so much junk, so much processed stuff. I mean, everything from high fructose corn syrups, or you name it. There's all these things in the, in these dressings. And, and really, you know, I mean, I, I'm obviously they... They, they taste good going down, but are they really doing you good? You have to really think about that. But olive oil is a great substitute for this. And again, I use it in a lot of my salads. So this is, is very important. Um, I think everybody should be using this on a regular basis. Okay. Next, wellnessresources.com. This is a, this is, we're going to go into a little bit of the Ayurvedic side of things. This is a a traditional nutrient that's used in um, in Ayurvedic medicine called Bacopa. And this is, it's an actual calming nutrient. It's been used for centuries. It's actually been used um, as a memory enhancing antioxidant, uh, anti-inflammatory, analgesic, and a relaxant, uh, again, for centuries. And uh, it's it's widely used for its calming effect on people. Well, they've been doing more studies on it. And it's been shown in animal studies to reduce reduce both anxiety and depression. And also, the newest animal study shows that Bacoba enhances antioxidant function in the brain and reduces free radical damage in brain synapses, which supports better brain plasticity. So this is a, a really, really... Um, important nutrient for the brain, especially if you know uh, you know people as they get older. Obviously, cognitive decline starts to um, and and they're showing that cognitive decline it, really, it can literally start in the 30s and into the 40s, depending on you know everybody's on a little bit of a sliding scale, depending on you know what they've gone through their life. But really, it can start in a big way in the 30s and 40s. Um, but you know, it starts progressively, but. Um, this is something that can that can really help with that now to keep your brain brun- your, to keep your brain running smoothly it 's vital that you have a baseline of calmness in your head you know you need you need some kind of a balance you need a a way to come back after all the craziness and stressfulness of life and all these things so you need something to to uh, bring you down to to the calm state, uh, you know, a lot of people use meditation, use different types of things. Well, uh, this this they found that this nutrient bacoba actually has a um, has effect on GABA or GABA, which is gamma aminobutyric acid. And what GABA is is they receptor their GABA receptors. Um, it's 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 basically a, a relaxing neurotransmitter, but it's often lacking under stress. And there are fewer GABA receptors in your brain when you're in under high stress. It actually knocks out uh, a lot of those GABA receptors. Well, it makes a person you know. Eventually, a person can get more hyper anxious. They get wound up. They can't sleep. They end up with a lot of different types of issues. So you get your real big anxiety problems and this and things like that. Well. As it turns out, Bacoba is able to increase the number of GABA receptors, so it's actually reversing that trend, that uh, trend of a- anxiety, and, and and this is something that the medical profession should really look into because obviously, you know, they're so quick to, you know, uh, give you some kind of uh, relaxing drug or pharmaceutical drug or something like that to for people who are wound up. Well, this is something natural that doesn't have side effects that you can use. So and it, again, it shows that it, it's able to to interact with serotonin receptors in a way that smooths the serotonin function in the brain. Okay, so you know it's likely to help the mood. Okay? It's also been shown uh, in human clinical trials to boost memory and cognitive function. Now the researchers did a demonstrated this in a 90 in a 90 day double blind uh, placebo control study and what they found a 12-week study in the patients with associated memory impairment they found that Bacoba significantly improved mental control logic um, logical memory digit forward digit backward visual reception visual reception I'm sorry reproduction and paired associate learning so these are all things especially you know especially with younger folks who are having issues you know, focusing uh, in school and things like that um, you know, but this is something, and I this is something obviously that's you know they're they're doing a lot more testing on. Uh, but it really su- it's supportive of a calmer mood, but yet at the same time boosting performance. Other things that can be used with that again will be DHA, um, magnesium, and 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 uh, you know other things that can really help kind of with the same t- do the same type of thing. But this is important because it's actually it's actually reversing the the, the uh, death of the GABA receptors in your brain. So that's that's really, really good news for this. So so keep a lookout for uh, more studies on this nutrient because I think it's going to be really, really important. And speaking of nutrients that help with calming and relaxation, this is also from Wellness Resources. This is a, an article on theanine. Now, this is another nutrient for relaxation. We're... We're uh, continuing this uh, little series here. Now, theory, theanine is the active component in green tea. It's actually responsible for. It's it's the part of the green tea that 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 kind of helps you with the, a little bit of a calming effect. Again, now you know brain cells are known to generate electrical pulses called brain waves. Obviously, enough from their from their um, from their cell surfaces. Now. Here it was demonstrated in humans that 40 minutes after taking theanine, which they gave them 50 milligrams to 200 milligrams, uh, it, it, was, it was they basically uh, they relaxed the alpha waves and in in the in the brain that actually lasted up to about 12 hours. So that's a really really good relaxing effect uh, that the theanine had. Now, theanine is derived from glutamic acid. It's a neurotransmitter found. It's actually found in your brain. It's been shown to influence the formation of the relaxing neurotransmitter, again, called GABA. So another, this is another thing that's also influencing GABA as well. So think about, think about uh, these two things. Theanine and uh, you know the article I did previous on Bacoba both influences the GABA receptors. That's it's great news uh, for people who are really wound up uh, because you know, a lot of people have problems with with you know, especially getting proper sleep after they've had a long day and getting into that sleep cycle, and um, they they end up throwing their their cycle way off because they you know their their body is just trying to push out all this stress and 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 you know, you ever had one of those times where where you're uh, where you know you're tired. But yet your body wants to move. I mean we've all had it. You know, we've all had those times. Well, these are nutrients that can help this. Now, it's been shown as far as theanine goes, theanine's influence on on the alpha band brainwave actively produces a relaxed yet non-drowsy state of mind. And it's also been shown to the ability to improve focus on given tasks over time. So that's another thing. Again, same type of thing. Relaxing, but yet improving mental ability and focus. Now in an animal study, they demonstrated that theanine enhances learning and memory. And in another animal study, it, it confirms that theanine reduced oxidative stress. Now this is important. Oxidative stress in brain cells helping the brain to offset free radical damage. So not only is it giving you a calming effect, it's helping to enhance your brain, but then it's acting as an antioxidant for the brain. So that's that's fantastic. So theanine uh, very, very important. Doesn't make you it. It's it's it doesn't make you drowsy to the you know it, it's it's more calming, but doesn't make you drowsy. And and if you my suggestion, and I always and people who always have problems, the a lot of people that I I talk to who, who end up having issues sleeping at night, even if they take something at night, but they still have a problem. with what I always suggest to them is to take something, not right before they go to bed. to to start taking things maybe towards the middle or later afternoon on their way to the afternoon and evening to have their body calm down in a stress state because things like these types of nutrients, things like magnesium, magnesium has a calming effect as well. Um, You can take that, let's say, going into the afternoon, towards the evening, before you even get home, to start bringing your body down because if you take things too late, your body's already still... It's going to take a while for your body to get to that point where it's going to be relaxed and sleep, and that can you're talking about that can cost you two or three hours of sleep right there. So if you take it ahead of time, and then by the time you get home, and then by the time you're getting to sleep, your body's already starting to get to that point. So again, you know that that's something people can consider as far as you know taking things in general who have problems sleeping or just relaxing in general. Uh, but these are, you know, again, this is another nutrient that can definitely help out. So, um, check it out. All right. Now, another article here. Uh, this is <coughs> this is an article and it's called, a, this is on a, a compound that's actually proved crucial to healing influenza. What's this compound called? It's called abscisic acid. Now abscisic acid which some of you may not have heard it's found in it's it's primarily found in green foods like uh... foods like wheatgrass lima um, well, lima beans have them asparagus spinach all the green type of plants because it's derived from a plant Okay, it's, it, it's really a plant nutrient um... but it's it's very important it's actually a component of vitamin A and it converts in your body to that so it's uh, but what they've done is they've studied it on a on a uh on a they they've really kind of honed in on it and what its benefits are and this was published in the journal of nutritional biochemistry and they've discovered that abscisic acid has anti-inflammatory effects on the lungs and the gut and the resu- and, and and that's very important especially if you're and when you're getting towards the winter time where things where you're going to start having you know, you're more likely to get some kind of bug, or people who are going to be, you know, who are um, afraid they're going to suffer from flu-like symptoms and things like that. Now, the flu in general accounts for anywhere from 3,000 to 49,000 deaths per year in the United States alone. All right, so that's, you know, it's this this happens on a regular basis. So, what they did here, they they found that it's been shown to be most effective at about seven to ten days after infection, okay? So if you start taking this, if you start taking these types of compounds, uh, you know, when you're getting sick, it's basically what it does is targeting the immune response rather than the virus itself, which they feel it's a safer way of, uh, well, the researchers were saying that it's a safer way of going instead of actually targeting the virus, it's targeting the actual immune system and the response to the virus, so that that's very important, but it's actually been shown in mice that that um, it slows the ability uh, of, of the virus of the uh, well, it lessens the it lessens the um, the symptoms in general, but eventually it actually also shortens the duration of the virus. So it's very important. Um, now, if you think about it, you know, especially if you're susceptible to lung uh, uh, lung infections, bronchitis. Or things like that. You have to remember that your that your gut, because a lot of times that can be a problem in the gut as well. You have to remember that your gut and your lungs they both share the same type of mucosal immune system. Okay, so when you have problems in the lungs, things like you know, bronchial infections, bronchitis, and those types of things, a lot of times, you also have to look at your gut. You have to see if you're struggling with gut issues. If you feel like you're struggling with both, they a lot of times they go hand in hand. So, you know, this is something that actually helps both. Other things that help things like this are quercetin, okay, which is the bioflavonoid found in onions and apples and, and certain fruits. Very, very important with lung health and healing and uh you know other things like um uh, like uh, cysteine okay um, and acetylcysteine is also great is also great for the bronchioles and the lungs help clear out because it' helps with the th- glutathione production that helps the lining of the of the lungs so that's very very important so but uh, abscisic acid is another tool in the toolbox that you can use again. If you, if you increase your consumption of green foods, which I always recommend you do, the plant foods, and, uh, or if you're taking your compounding green powders, your superfoods, and, you're, and, and, and eating a lot of those fresh, uh, fresh plant-based foods, you're really going to get a lot of this, and this is going to help you in the long run, especially during the cold and flu season. So, you know, another tool in the arsenal you can use, abscisic acid, very, very important okay what else do we have here alright this is from Wellness Times now this I thought this was very very interesting and this is actually a little bit of a step in the right direction because I think um, I think they're starting to smarten up here and uh, you'll, you'll understand what I mean here experts et, experts call for the increase of vitamin C RDA now RDA is the recommended daily intake now The normal recommended daily intake of vitamin C that's been, you know, around for years uh, has been around 75 milligrams for women and 90 milligrams for men. Okay, that's, it's, I mean, you know, when when they come up with these recommendations, they really do not consider the stress and the things that a normal person goes through. They don't consider the exercising they don't consider stress they don't consider all the demands that people go through on a daily life in daily life that can really um use up all of your antioxidants they 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 don't consider that they tell you and this is the you know the mainstream medical community you know they they tell you basically give you enough just to cover um any kind of you know any kind of illnesses any kind of you know infections and things like that but they don't they don't talk about you know you really have to be realistic you have to be realistic and say I'm hit with a lot of things during the day stress anxiety I exercise I do this I do that it uses up a lot of your antioxidants during the day that's why you have to have antioxidants in your bank account I am huge on getting my daily antioxidants because I think it's so important because your body needs them, and he, and it, and it has a supply of them, and, and it uses them when it needs to. So that's my take on it. Well, now it's it, it, this was in the 2012 issue of the uh, Critical Reviews in Food Science and Nutrition, and they're saying that the uh, that men, uh, the or adults, should raise their they should raise their daily intake for adults to 200 milligrams of vitamin C. Okay, 200 milligrams of vitamin C. Now, this, you, have, you have to remember that vitamin C is, is not, you know, we, we are the only species on the planet that really doesn't synthesize our own vitamin C. We have to get it through our, through our diets. And if we're not getting enough vitamin C through our diet, that's going to cause problems because that's that's one less antioxidant you have in your bank account to deal with other kinds of stress, to deal with illnesses, and to deal with colds and flus and things like that. During the winter time, I think it should be even higher than that. That's you know that's my opinion, but you know because vitamin C has also been shown to do other things. Okay, there's a lot of factors, and re- they they've researched vitamin C to death. And vitamin C has been shown, I mean, 500 milligrams of vitamin C has been shown to, to reduce both systolic and diastolic blood pressure. Okay, that's been shown. It's, it's been shown to, to uh, as far as helping to reduce uh, heart disease by about 60% in a European study in 20,000 adults and um also men who had blood levels of vitamin C had higher blood level or men I'm sorry men with low level blood levels of vitamin C were 60 per, 62% high higher risk of cancer related deaths so obviously vitamin C is very very important now you know you, again you my suggestion would be if you can get your 5 to 9 servings of fruits and vegetables every day you can get your natural vitamin c and um you know obviously maybe drink some orange juice on top of that i mean it's going to get small amounts from that but if you really think about it how many people on, a, on every day get their five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day and get their vitamin c i mean you know you have to ask yourself how many people really do get that not a lot not many people do Especially the way people eat these days. So obviously there's a, you know there's, you have to look at the supplementation aspect of it. I always think people should, you know, you can get it in a good multivitamin, maybe 100 to 200 milligrams, which is good. And I think if you keep that going, that's fine. But uh, you need to, you need to keep that in there because it's important. You can also get it in things like bell peppers and broccoli and cauliflower and sprouts, and your citrus fruits. Um, you know those are those are all important as well but um, I agree with this totally I think this is I think this is great I think they should come down to reality and realize that people need vitamin C it's very important if you can get into the natural form because it's the best form to use It's the best form that the body can absorb and um, you know I, th- I think that's very very important so I agree with this as well okay now, we are going to talk about one of my favorite things is strawberries. Strawberries vindicated in the fight against heart disease, diabetes, and cognitive decline. This is natural news. Researchers from the University of Warwick in the UK have been studying the beneficial effects of strawberries in our cardiovascular health system, particularly in regard to how they prevent the development of heart disease and diabetes. How about that? All right. Now... Uh, th- this study team, what they did was, they found that strawberries positively activate a protein in our bodies called NRF2. Now, NRF2 uh, is shown to increase antioxidants and other protective activities in the body. The protein decreases total blood lipids and levels of oxidized cholesterol, two elements to- shown to promote cardiovascular disease. So it's very, 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 very good. Uh, you know, strawberries are excellent. Now, also, strawberries are known to counter post-meal blood glucose surges and improve dangerous levels of oxidized LDL cholesterol. Now, you got to remember, this is very key here, okay? Because when you, you know, obviously when you have cholesterol going out and doing its job and, and doing it, you know, cholesterol, you got to remember cholesterol or, or uh, you know, LDL cholesterol basically goes out there and delivers your fat-soluble nutrients into the body. That's one of its jobs. But again, it can get damaged. When it runs into inflammation, when it runs into all these different problems, it gets damaged, it gets oxidized, it can start uh, causing plaque in the arteries, and that's where you get into problems. Well, strawberries now are being shown to actually help with this and to actually improve these levels of LDL, cholesterol and oxidize LDL cholesterol now they accomplish this effect by they down regulate the impact of genes in the digestive tract that influence cholesterol absorption okay so that that's key that's key so it's it's very 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 important now the other thing about cholesterol that you have to understand also and this is more on the you know kind of where to get it and how to get it is that cholesterol is one of the things that you want to get as if at all possible organically why because it's one of what's called a dirty dozen I'm gonna go into this one day but it's basically one of the most heavily sprayed as far as insecticides and pesticides one of the most heavily sprayed um, heavily sprayed fruits uh, in the world basically and and you know the 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 coating of the of the strawberry really holds in the holds in the pesticides and the and the insecticides and things like that so if at all possible if you can get strawberries um organically that's the best way to get them because you you don't want your body to have to detoxify all the stuff that it comes with and all the chemicals that it comes with so get your strawberries that way but this is good news at least one to two servings of strawberries a couple of days a week is excellent, and um, I think it'll really have a positive outlook. Though you know, so it can only help you going down the road. If you're struggling with cholesterol issues, you can add this in the tool in your toolbox, with um, with all the other hopefully natural things you're doing. So strawberries very important, great, and um, can be added to anything really. I love strawberries. All right okay now I'm going to uh, I'm gonna actually do something that I usually don't do well I haven't do but I'm gonna start doing a little bit more I'm actually going to answer a question that I got recently from someone um, and um, you know I like to answer I like to answer questions online and stuff like that and help people if I can with some tips and helping them now remember I do I do not diagnose uh, any kind of illnesses or anything like that but if I can help in certain way or give some information or education that's what I try to do and um, you know besides helping people in general uh, but you know it's it's something that I do so if you have a question um, you know hopefully I can answer it for you and I can answer it on on the air well this was a question that someone uh, sent me in uh, so and basically the question was regarding um, uh, uh, gallbladder now the person recently had their gallbladder their gallbladder out it was taken out cuz they uh the doctors decided it was it was it was imperative that the gall you know the gallbladder be taken out which doctors these days do all the time and uh you know for whatever reason they they feel it's just a lot easier to take it out and um I don't know why but I mean they've reasons obviously but anyway so uh, she wanted to know, you know, she, she seems to be having intestinal problems and intestinal issues and wanted to know how how or if there's any way that she can ha- be helped regarding any intestinal issues because ever since she's had her gallbladder out, she's had um, problems as far as eating uh, and as far as gas and bloating and, and just overall intestinal issues. And, it's, and it really started happening after she had her gallbladder operation. And she wants to know how she can um, get this, uh, you know, get this solved. Well, my answer to that is basically this is how it works. Let's 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 talk about the gallbladder and how, you know, basically what its function. First, you have to understand that the gallbladder is um, is kind of in a team with the liver. All right, the gallbladder basically what it does it it it's a storage place. It's a storage facility, uh, for lack of a better term, for bile. Okay, and what the liver does is the liver produces bile with the help of cholesterol, and it, the liver dumps the bile into the gallbladder for storage. So the gallbladder stores the bile. So now when you eat something with fat in it, the bile releases into the small intestine and helps uh, the enzymatic process to break down the fats. That's what that's what it's done, and it releases it just at the right time when the fats come in, and so on and so forth. So you have that smooth transition. So it's it's basically the team. It's the go between the um, the liver and the small intestine to basically break down the fat. The fat. Now, when you take the gallbladder out, you're basically you're you're pulling out the middleman. So now the liver has to actually compensate. And do the work of the gallbladder. But this is where the problem happens. Because you have to remember that the liver, aside from all the other things that it does, because you got to remember the liver is our detox body organ. It's the main detox body organ in the, in the body. So it's doing a million things. That now it's one extra thing that it has to do. It has to release its bile on its own into the tr- into the uh, digestive tract. problem with it is that the liver many times does it inappropriately. And when it does it inappropriately, it causes intestinal problems because you can get what's called bile burn. You get bile burn in the small intestine, you start having intestinal problems, gas, bloating, indigestion, all these different problems because it's releasing it at the wrong time. So you literally, you literally have to, have to uh, train the liver to do the work of the gallbladder. That's what you have to do because otherwise, and, and this is not an overnight thing. This is a long process because the liver now has to do double work, basically. So, um, my you know, to answer the question, my, que- my answer is this. There's a, there's a few things you can do that can start helping you with this process. The first thing you want to do is you want to, uh, and this is the main thing, Okay, because I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, and you can kind of see this as, as you're happening. If you miss meals, if you don't have a gallbladder and you miss meals or you, there's, l- there's too long of a time between meals and then you eat, you'll start, you'll start seeing a lot of more gastrointestinal problems and, and, and things like that. Okay, especially people who are on the run and they don't eat regularly. So the first thing you have to do is you have to eat regularly. That's the big thing. You have to eat regularly. Try to try to space your meals out as evenly as possible and eat regularly because what that's going to do is that's going to start to train the liver little by little to help release the bile appropriately when fat comes in. Okay? So... That's the main thing you want to do. Um, it's probably the hardest, again, because you got to remember people are running back and forth and they're stressed out and they're, you know, doing this and that. So it's very hard sometimes for people to eat regularly. But that's what you need to do. You need to eat regularly. And that's the biggest thing because that's going to help you. That's going to lessen the digestion. It's going to lessen the issues that you have. And um, it's going to, you know, help you out little more. Uh, now, other things you want to do also is you want to, increase or start taking things that are going to help your liver function properly or are going to help get the sludge out of your liver or get the liver, I, I can't say function properly, but it's going to help the liver do this process a lot easier. And these are things that help the liver flow better. And I mean things like milk thistle or what's called silymarin. That's excellent for the liver. helps helps the liver detox properly. Um, other things like dandelion. Now, dandelion is a little bit of a diuretic, but it's excellent for liver function as well. helps to detox. Okay. Another thing that, that helps the liver also is quercetin. Quercetin is excellent for the liver as well. Um, these things are the main things that can help your liver. There's, I mean, there's a lot of nutrients that really help. With this process, but you, but but if you start taking at least the dandelion and the uh, silymarin, which are the big ones, those will start to help to live help your liver um, work a little bit easier, um, help it flow better, and I think it's also going to help you with that process. Now, also querc- quercetin, just so you know, quercetin also helps in your digestive tract. So I think it'll do um, both roles there. It actually help with your liver, but also help with the transition into the digestive tract. Uh, it's been shown to help the endothelial lining of the digestive tract, so that's important too. But um, that's what you want to do. Okay. So have regular meals at regular times, and then also increase your intake of nutrients that help the liver. And I think over time, you'll start seeing um, some, you know, some improvement in digestion and and those types of things so hope that helps you out okay again if you want to ask me a question feel free to go to georgebatista.com you know uh, just send me a question there I'll be happy to help you maybe I'll read it on the air and otherwise um, that's it for this week I'll be back next week with some more uh, great articles until then have a great week everybody take care